0: From KBSX and the Idaho Statesman, this is speaking of serial. I'm Frankie Barnhill of KBSX, and hey, this is an encore episode. It's been a year and a half since Serial's season wrapped up, um, the one that was focusing on Bo Bergdahl's story, and a lot has happened. But today, we'll start with the big news: a military judge decided against any prison time for Bergdahl Friday morning, but instead ordered him uh, to have dis- dishonor, to be dishonorably discharged, to reduce his rank from sergeant to private, and ordered him to forfeit pay um, $1,000 over 10 months. Joining me to dissect all this is Nate Papineau and John Soule with the Idaho Statesman. Maybe, Nate, could I just ask, like, what is your first reaction and thought to today's news about um, how exactly the Army Colonel uh, Jeffrey Nance decided to sentence him?
1: It seems to me like it's about the best that Bergdahl could have realistically expected, um, the effort to get the case thrown out because of Trump and his comments, um, ha- hasn't had success. Just, to, just to clarify, you know, the, uh, the issues that were brought up in serial and that we've discussed here before with, uh, Trump, the candidate, uh, talking about Bergdahl, um, repeatedly has been brought up as an issue all this year by Bergdahl's defense team. Um, and continues to be but uh, remarkably unsuccessfully and so and so barring that i think you know what he was given here prosecutors had sought 14 years um, and especially considering that appeals are still pending uh this this really is about the, it seems to me like the best he could have expected.
0: Right. And I mean, he pled guilty to desertion and misbehavior before the enemy.
1: And there was a lot of talk leading up to that about whether that sort of open-ended plea, how that would play with the judge. And uh, the judge did not speak uh, in any sort of detail as to what exactly he based his decision on. Um, But it certainly seems as though that gambit paid off.
0: John, what do you think about when it comes to the sentence that we, we heard today? Um, you know, he's been demoted from sergeant to private. Um, he's the forfeiture of pay, all those things, which is a reminder, of course, that he still is in the Army, of course, um, and is working a desk job at, in Texas. Is that right? So, I mean, what are your thoughts about the sentence? What kind of jumped out to you?
2: Well, I thought it was really quite interesting because going into this, I just wasn't sure how the judge was going to come down on him. Um, Fourteen years, which the prosecutors were asking for, that seemed like a really long sentence, especially in light of the the five years that he was uh, held by the uh, the Hakani uh, network and tortured and seemingly um, treated worse after each of his escapes and times that uh, you know he was he was hurt pretty bad over there and and so forth but on the other hand i kind of wondered whether they would want to still send a certain message and imprison him even if it was just like a year or two to to kind of reinforce the the message that when you sign up you sign up for the good of the the army and you just don't go out on your own like that, and even if you have grievances and stuff, but I think Judge Nance really took this seriously, and he really wanted to show the public that uh, he was serious about being fair to to Bo Bergdahl, that the president's remarks, he wasn't gonna throw the the book at him in sentencing. But that uh, you know he, he did plead guilty, as you said, to two very serious charges. and uh, but uh, I, th- I thought it was interesting what the the outcome was, and that the judge didn't elaborate at all right. on why he he did what he did, that uh, a couple of stories I read said he was only in court for a few minutes and then left and and stuff so.
0: right which almost feels like yeah anticlimactic in some way
1: <laughs> well i i assume there will be a written sure a written order that will explain it in more detail um you know the interesting thing about the idea john brought up there of uh of kind of a middle ground like not this extreme punishment but still try and try and set forth the interesting thing to me uh watching reaction today is just that still and maybe it's not surprising After so many years of this being so polarizing, uh, there really hasn't, online at least, been any middle ground today. There's been a lot of people saying, oh, thank God, you know, that it's not worse. Obviously, he didn't, obviously, Bergdahl didn't belong there. There's the mental health disorder, you know, diagnosis and everything. And then there's the people who still just want, you know, the book thrown at him up to the death penalty. Um, and And I don't feel like I really saw uh, much in between. It's everybody just, again, not surprising after several years, everybody is still so firmly divided on this man.
0: Right, right. I've had my, of course, you know, this, The court-martial proceedings, the sentencing hearing itself has even gone on longer than we thought necessarily, and, uh, you know, I've had my tweet deck, uh, Twitter pulled up with the hashtag Bergdahl the whole time, and it is just full of people who are obviously very upset today. Um, Seems to be overwhelming, (laughs) at least that hashtag. Um, And, of course, we have, uh, you know, on Twitter, we have our our president who did weigh in. Um, What was the tweet again?
2: Um, I've got it here. you got it? Okay. It says uh, the decision on Sergeant Bergdahl is a complete and total disgrace to our country and to our military.
0: Yeah. And that's interesting because, you know, it is it is a military decision, uh, mil- military um, colonel who made the who was the army judge in this case. And um, yeah, I mean, what do we think? It's not surprising at all that he would have something to say about this. Right. And uh, what was it, two weeks ago now in the Rose Garden when he was asked, you know, um, around the time of Bergdahl was about to plead guilty. He was asked, you know, what are your what do you think about his case, basically? And, and um, President Trump said, um, well, I'm not going to comment now, but you've heard my comments in the past referring to the, you know, things like saying dirty, rotten traitor during the campaign and all of that. So, yeah, it, it seems like it's not at all surprising that we would have heard from him t- in that capacity today.
1: So so one, it's very obvious um, from comments that Bergdahl's attorneys made today. Um, that as the appeals proceed and everything, they are not letting go of this, of this issue surrounding Trump. They feel they're on to something. They feel they're on to a series of prejudicial comments, uh, regardless of the fact that this has been you know, rebuffed or at least mitigated by the, by the trial judge so far. Um, I, I will be very interested to see. This kind of takes it into almost a new phase, it seems to me. Um, a lot of the logic... Uh, of the judge throughout this year has been uh when when these questions are brought up has been well you know trump was a candidate when he was making these sorts of statements um he's now you know that was before he was the president before he was the commander-in-chief and also you know the judge felt he was sufficiently insulated and didn't feel pressured and and gave an extensive statement partly for the purposes of the record Um, now as you have trump the president reacting in real time to these developments, I don't know if it will give them any more force. Hmm. There is, as we as we found previously, you know, there is some precedent for this sort of there was that case involving Obama. Right. um, That came up earlier in the podcast. Um, And so there is some precedent for this sort of thing to be an issue. But I don't know still where that line will be drawn at the moment. Yeah. Um, And especially if you know, appeals drag out and everything remains noisy, um, it, it may be that the defense team is finally able to get a foot in the door this way. I, I really can't tell.
0: Yeah, yeah, the whole, uh, what's the phrase, unlawful command influence. Yes. Is the the term that the military um, uh, defense team would use to, to talk about uh, a president making comments like that or even a can- candidate who turns into the president.
2: I think it will also be interesting that um, – There's an automatic appeal that goes with this, and it'll end up going to basically a a military court that's similar to, like, the civilian Ninth Circuit that deals with uh, cases from Idaho and other Western states. So it'll be interesting to see if that court stays with a military type of bearance or whether— they look at things more like a civilian uh, appeals court might and,
0: yeah, I mean, this obviously is not over to say the least. That there's there's more to this. <laughs> we're still not done, so maybe there'll be another encore. Speaking of serial episode, um, actually talking about that, can we can we talk about serial a little bit? In that, you know, what did we learn during that season that then came up? What were we hearing in refrains from the defense uh, and or the prosecution that we already knew because Sarah Koenig and everybody else talked about it?
1: Yeah, the the sentencing hearing throughout these past couple weeks just ticked all the boxes off all of the things that, that were brought up as issues um, what the hell Bergdahl was trying to do in the first place uh, the mental health question the previously washing out of the Coast Guard question uh, the soldiers injured in the search uh, the idea that there's still no you know no firm connection to soldiers who were killed and um, just all these all these all these things played such a strong role and the other interesting thing was seeing how the existence of the interviews used in serial factored into it you know mark Bowl, um off and on for a few months uh was uh you know trying to fend off any any efforts by the court to uh, subpoena his interviews um the fact that all of this had had been so extensively put out there um Very clearly, kind of put this whole case on a different ground to begin with. You have the the man at the center of it speaking at length over hours of podcasts about what he did and why he did it. (laughs) Um, It it just it just changes the whole context from the start, Um, which I I think is another reason why uh, why his defense team went after the Trump argument so hard. You know, they they tried several different. There were a number of of pre-trial motions to dismiss for various facets but i think that's partly why that poli- that politics one got such uh focus
0: right right
1: is because of the context they had to operate in yeah um but yeah because if if you if you listened to serial and if you had read the earlier stuff you know the stories in newsweek and everything and rolling stone um you were very well prepared you probably weren't surprised by any of the stuff that was brought up this week
0: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, General Dahl, who was the lead investigative investigator uh, after Dahl came back and he did all those interviews that was a part of the serial piece, um, you know, He he basically said enough to say, like, he shouldn't be in prison anymore. So in many ways, you know, today's sentencing absolutely is not. I mean, you could have just gone back to what Dahl said, uh, what, like two or three years ago now and and seen this coming.
1: It it kind of indicates Dahl in a way, too. And there, there was a lot of question at the time. Right. Um, as folks may remember about um, Dahl's uh, advice there uh, being immediately overruled. Right. Um, and so we are kind of back to that spot again, which is a very interesting observation. Yeah. Well,
2: and it's interesting how after Dahl gave his assessment of the case and basically said he's been punished enough and then they move the proceedings from Texas back to Fort Bragg, where it seemed like there was a much more hardline sort of look towards Bergdahl and what he'd done. And so it almost seemed, in my mind, a, a political move to try to throw the hammer at Bergdahl and have a better chance for a really hard sentence for him when when it shook out.
0: Well, if we could turn back to Idaho, we're talking about Texas, we're talking about uh, North Carolina. um, And now, you know, the whole reason why we decided to to take on Speaking of Serial was to kind of bring the local lens as journalists who've covered um, Bo Bergdahl's story. Obviously, he's from Haley. And uh, John, I understand you spoke with the mayor of Haley recently.
2: Yes, I did. uh, Fritz Hammerly. And, um, you know, I kind of at one point I I said, you know, you're probably getting tired of these calls. And uh, he said, I don't really think that these kinds of calls are appropriate in a sense that all this attention's been paid to Bo Bergdahl. But there's been so many other people from Haley and the surrounding areas that have uh, fought for the military been injured died and those folks kind of don't get their due maybe the way they should but here's a guy that that walked away from his troops and you know at every turn uh, people are asking questions uh, about reaction to to something that's happened with him so
0: right and thinking about it being 2017, almost the end of it, and this saga has been going on for the people of Haley and the Wood River Valley for eight years, um, so it's, it's a long time. Um, I think we, let's actually play the, your interview with uh, the mayor and Haley really fast.
3: You know, when Bo first was released from captivity, we issued a press release and said, you know, it's good that American soldiers are returned home. And with respect to any legal consequences, we said, you know, whatever due process he needs to face here in the United States needs to happen. That's Uh all we ever said. So um, with that being true, you know, the position, I think, of this town has been, basically, you know, whatever Bo's is going through now with his legal process is something that needs to happen. Uh-huh. And from that point on, I have literally discussed in him pleading guilty to not a single person. Uh-huh. And not not a single person I know has brought that subject up. I see. I see. Not one. Wow. Not a single person has mentioned that fact.
2: Are you surprised by that, or? I
3: am amazed? not surprised by that at all. That uh-huh. you know, it's it has been that you know this town. I think is is glad that an American soldier was returned home, and you know, I don't think that, quite frankly in all due respect and all due candor to the Bergdahl family, you know, no one sits on pins and needles worrying about what's happening to Bo.
2: Uh-huh. that it was more while he was a captive and, and those efforts to try to get him home and...
3: Well, you know, the kid grew up, he didn't grow up in Haley, he grew up outside of Haley, right. you know. Everyone, everyone knows Bo's mom and dad, you know. For better, or for worse, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, we're not that big of a community, so it's like, wow. I hope he doesn't get killed over there. Uh-huh. You know, okay. And everyone's like, wow. I'm glad the kid was released um, and is back in this country. But from that point forward, you know, I think most people in this town have been that. You know, we're glad he's we're glad he's safe. He's going through whatever process he's going through, and that's it. Uh-huh, whatever. You know, I, I've got, happens. I've gotten, I've gotten phone calls from, you know, the New York Times, you know, CNN, this, that, or the other. You know, what's going on up there in Haley? It's like right. nothing. Nothing. <laughs> you know, nothing. Yeah. Um, I haven't talked. To a single person, not a single person I know has brought that subject up to me. Uh-huh. Nobody has mentioned that name to me for probably until you called me for a year.
2: Wow, wow. So so I had to break the streak for you.
3: You broke the streak, you know. And, you know... My feeling is you know this town has had many people serve in the military um, had this town has had many people die in service over the years you know over the you know this town's been a town since eighteen eighty two right. People have served in a lot of wars in this town people have a lot of people have died serving in this town, and it's a huge disservice for anyone really to call us up every time. There's something happened to Debo because it so disrespects really all the rest of the people that have served.
2: That uh-huh. gives we, him magnified we, exposure versus those folks. And
3: you know, he's a kid who served. He was in captivity. The town's glad that he was returned to the United States. And you know, um, something I respect. Probably more than the president of the United States himself, in all due respect, is due process. Uh The kid's receiving his process now. He's going through it. I assume he had some good attorneys. Um, I assumed he he got a fair shake under the law. And that's it. Uh
1: Uh-huh.
3: You know, we had received, uh, when he was returned from captivity, our, our, our town hall was inundated with hate phone calls, you know, that, you know, how could you do this? That, that. It's like, we're happy the kid's home.
2: When Mayor ha- Hammerly talked about uh, due process, I probably should uh, say that he's an attorney, so obviously that's an area that would be of importance to him.
0: Yeah, and that, and again, that interview, you did that right before uh, Bo was going to plead guilty. And is that right? Was it Correct, right yes. Okay, so it's a couple of weeks old, okay. Yeah. Nate, what do you think about, uh, you know, kind of what the mayor was saying about um, what the city has been through when it comes to Bo's story and the question of, uh, you know, being called up by a reporter for the umpteenth time?
1: It it is. I mean, first off, it's been very obvious just in the reporting process the last year or two um, how much the city would like to move on, and and this is a, this is just a really hard issue. There's so many aspects to it. You're starting with back during Bergdahl's captivity, just visually and and the the town, it was obvious. You know, the the town was concerned about him. There were ribbons up everywhere. They held. You know, after a little while, they started holding kind of an annual rally, keep the issue alive event sort of thing. In, in some ways, the town and how it reacted because of all these aspects started to become part of the story, right. um, especially for media based here in Idaho. You know, for all the reasons that the mayor pointed out there, you know, even even if, you know, he was raised just outside of town, like there's not that many people, you know, everybody sort of thing. And so and so I think it was partly because of uh how much just visually and physically um this issue had kind of permeated town uh that they continued to be um a place a sort a, a source of sod interviews and everything afterwards but I also I, I also see what he's saying like you know at what point is it reasonable to keep you know to keep putting the city keep quizzing the city and keep seeing how people are thinking and um, I remember, uh, I think it was that New York Times story earlier this year or last year. I cannot remember which, to be honest. Um, but the one where they came in and they talked about, you know, talked about Haley still being under siege, and oh, right. um, and I remember shortly after that, you know, the city came out and was questioning a couple of details, and and was very obviously uh, not happy with how they'd been portrayed, and kind of felt like they'd been mis they'd been misinterpreted by the New York Times reporter. Um, I. I can sympathize with with what the mayor is saying because of how utterly unique and odd, especially in this war, Bergdahl's situation was, it is hard to not let it become such a focus. Um, again, you're going back to everybody has such strong reactions and emotions to it. Um, you know the people people who have served, you know, have that visceral reaction to what he's done because it just it just doesn't make any sense, it doesn't comport. I don't fully know the answer to the issues he brings up um clearly, Haley was a part of the story for a while. When do they stop becoming the story, and how do you how do you you know as a as a media organization uh fold in some of these other issues and address some of these other other things about what the community truly is that's that's difficult
2: right right yeah. and I don't think. A lot of people in Haley knew quite how to react, because if you remember when they announced that he was going to be freed, they were planning a welcome home bow, p- picnic party, parade, that sort of thing. Even though they weren't sure that he would physically be there yet, depending on how he was processed, and then of course with what the mayor was saying about all these hateful phone calls and letters they were getting and so forth, they canceled that celebration and thought it was better not to do that and wondered if there'd even be more attention paid on the community and then criticized for, for what they were doing. And,
1: right. and, act- and actually, I think that prolonged the effect. Um, I think if Bergdahl had come back and Haley had done its little thing I, I don't know if people would have still been coming uh, to ask questions to do stories focused on the town um, I think that did actually aggravate things uh, because then it went from well here's you know here's a town of this incredibly notable notable captive/ slash guy who walked away from his post um, and then it, it made the town the story again because it was this town that got kicked in the teeth by everybody you know, when everybody was so upset at Bergdahl. Right. And so I think that probably aggravated the the things that the mayor is concerned about.
0: Yeah. And just to be clear, do we know Bergdahl has not been home um, to Haley that we know of, right? He hasn't been home at all. Yeah, not we had, not we had, that we know of. Yeah. yeah. Not that we know of. Um, and do we even know that he's been in contact with his family, his parents who still live there?
1: Yes, we do know that. Um, early last year, uh, one of his attorneys confirmed that he had been in touch with his parents. They've really kept the details of that very private. Um, and his family was, uh, you know, early on, you know, his family was a pretty private bunch of folks to begin with.
0: Yeah. But um, they weren't They weren't present at the sentencing at all, were they?
1: You know, I actually haven't. Uh, I haven't seen that. I don't know. If they were there, I would assume somebody would have noted that. And I haven't seen any sign that they were. Yeah. But it's always, you know, I suppose it's always possible. I don't know. Bob Bergdahl is a, is a pretty distinctive image, and a lot of people recognize him by now. So right. I assume if they were there, somebody would have would have noted that.
2: Yeah, yeah. and I tried um, reaching out to the family after the the sentencing was announced, and got a voicemail uh, on a phone call, and then uh, didn't get a response back from uh, Bob Bergdahl's uh, email address.
1: Yeah, he's still been active on. Uh, on Twitter, focusing on uh, Middle Eastern issues still.
0: Well, so at this point, you know, what are we looking, like we said, this isn't over, uh, despite the the sentence that came down earlier this morning. Um, what's next? I mean, one of the big things that we can talk about and th- look toward is whether or not he really is going to be dishonorably discharged or if um, it becomes an honorable discharge. And part of what's up in the air about that is whether or not he gets to retain his um, VA benefits, which include, of course, medical and mental health benefits. Um, Um, Treatment. And we know, as Serial illustrated really well, um, you know, the kind of uh, physical ailments that came about from being in a cage um, for years at a time and tortured, as well as then the mental health diagnosis of um, schizotypal. Uh, personality disorder, which has long-term effects. I mean, I just wonder, you know, things like, will he be able to hold down a job? Will he, you know, how would he, if, assuming he is able to, you know, he leaves the military, which is, of course, what his defense wants. Um, they nobody wants him to stay in the military. You know,
1: and supposedly is what he wants as well. That's he, that's yeah, how they, exactly, you know, that's exactly. how they've been saying it. it is not the defense wants him out, but yeah. he, is, he is interested in moving on.
0: Indeed, yeah. And so, you know, if, what would uh, a Bo Bergdahl moving on, potentially look like.
2: Yeah, I mean, I wonder, is he going to have this scarlet letter on his forehead that he's so recognizable right now? Can he kind of just blend into the, the woodwork or are people going to be confronting him whenever they see him, no matter where he is, whether he goes back to Haley or ends up somewhere else.
0: Right. The stigma is, is going to be a, definitely one of the, the things they'd have to overcome.
1: Well, it, it looks like they've been developing a, a next stage plan um, there. You know, the, the news today uh, includes references to uh, some sort of job at an animal sanctuary uh, that they're working on for him. And um, so apparently those folks are interested in having him in there. Um, and there was also a reference to uh, a group who wants to uh, use him to talk about dealing with captivity and uh, long-term situations, which, of course, he's certainly now a life experience expert on. Yeah. So some of that maybe may not be as much of an issue if he has these things prepared.
2: Well, when in both of those items could probably help him in his recovery as well if uh, you know he's able to talk about experiences and and so forth maybe maybe that benefits him as as well and certainly if he was in an animal sanctuary then uh, you know that looks like that'd be something positive for him and and he could probably empathize with the animals that he might be working with and
0: and, yeah, if he is, ends up being dishonorably discharged and is unable to access those medical benefits, I mean, yeah, the question is how will he be able to take care of himself in the long-term future of his, you know, the nerve damage and, um, and all of that that he's suffered. Um, it'll be interesting to see.
2: Yeah, because certainly uh, today, too, um, Eugene Fidel, his civilian lawyer, reiterated the point that, you know, these are really services he needs to be able to to deal with his physical and, and psychological issues,
1: I think just in the broader the broader public reaction sphere, um, if somehow even this dishonorable you know already avoiding prison, if somehow this dishonorable discharge is reversed in the appeals, I think that'll be a breaking point for a lot of people in the public. Um, and so the and so what may be interesting to watch as well is not just um, how Bergdahl moves on from all of the aspects of this, the, the torture he endured, the intense publicity, but what this case ends up speaking for longer term. Yeah, this, this is a very unique set of circumstances. It's not like most desertion cases are going to end up, this may not necessarily be a precedent for, it, but what this does end up speaking for longer term about how to handle this sort of scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the other thing to watch, and I think that's another thing that you see people concerned about, is um, how, much, how much leeway do you give some of these factors, um, and then what happens the next time?
2: Yeah, I think that's a, a really good point about the breaking point sort of idea if the dishonorable discharge is reversed. You know, the judge heard from one of the the soldiers that was injured that, you know, initially he said in his mind, you know, he wanted Bergdahl executed, life sentence, uh, hard labor and stuff. And then by the time he got in to testify, he told the judge, I just want to see him dishonorably discharged so that that stays on his record and stuff. So, you know, even somebody that was badly injured through the search for him has kind of changed his mind over time and and so forth. But I would imagine somebody like that would be really hurt if if it became an honorable
1: discharge.
0: Indeed. Um, Well, any other final thoughts, you guys, as we're digesting this again?
1: Again, I th- just I think just slight surprise on my part that uh, that uh, yeah, kind of like John said that um, he didn't end up with just some slight prison or something. Um, the fact that this got bumped up to the full court martial and then has essentially ended up back where you know the original uh, military investigator suggested it go. That's just a fascinating set of circumstances. I think it says a lot about about how complicated this process is and and the interplay between pursuing military justice and addressing public and political interests.
0: Right.
2: Yeah. And if you remember, uh, when Dahl was looking at it, the misbehavior before the enemy wasn't even on the table. Oh, that's true. And then that was brought in later. And that could have carried a possible life sentence. So,
0: Well, it was great to talk with you guys. Uh, Once again, uh, you know, shout out to all of our other Speaking of Serial contributors in the past. Um, It's been uh, good to, you know, digest this news and, hey, maybe there'll be another episode. We'll see. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank
2: you.